Welcome to Thursday night on the fan pregame. Justin and Ailish, Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360, and Sportsnet 590, the fan. We've got our in-guest studio. Kipper is joining us. We just heard all about your thoughts on Shane Pinto, but we're going to refresh it and get it from you early on. I don't want yeah. to do the point too much, but it is certainly the headline of the day um, in the hockey world, and we'll get to some Leafs, and we'll get to some of the games tonight. But knowing what we know about this situation, what are you waiting for for more information before you can get like a full grasp of what's going on or what did happen? Yeah, Ailish, first of all, I'm, I'm not even sure uh, if we will get much mm-hmm. more information. You know, there's times when... The NHL is a little bit more forthcoming on their information, and there's other times when they're not. I thought, you know, the information that uh, we we listened to throughout the day, either from uh, the Ottawa Senators and the NHL, still a little too vague for me. And, you know, the, the point that I tried to make on our show uh, earlier was that uh, I think there's a wonderful opportunity here to, to educate and still uh, make sure that the players are well aware of of what happened or how it happened. And maybe that might get done behind the scenes, but I think there's also a, a, a situation where, you know, the, the, the public probably could have used a little bit more information on, you know, when did this happen? How did it happen? Like, you know, and uh, you know, where's Shane Pinto in all of this. And I just found it a little bit too left with still too many mm-hmm. questions for a lot of people. Uh, than than answers today. Uh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think the Ottawa Senators fans and the fan base that are going to be without this player are not going to see Shane Pinto for 41 games do deserve some clarity in terms of how this actually happened. Uh, but I wonder from both the league standpoint and the Senators standpoint, I, I think you could view these things a little bit differently because Pierre Dorian's taken nothing but shrapnel over this <laughs> entire situation. And, and I don't know how... How, when he knew and how how they've been able to pre- pre- prepare for this, but a lot of people have been giving credit for the senators uh, for staying quiet and getting to the point where they could resolve this matter before making any reactions or doing anything with their salary cap. So when you look at the league, when you look at the team, like what stands out from a process standpoint? Did they get anything right here that mm-hmm. deserves to be at least highlighted? In yeah. Some well, uh, I think you bring up an excellent point. And again, um, you know, one of the questions I had, and I, I view Shane Pinto as a very important piece to the Ottawa Senators, and he proved that uh, with his season last year. Mm. And it, for me, it was paramount that they they find a way to sign him and get him in the lineup, and, and they didn't. And, you know, one of the questions prior to all this uh, Pinto news today uh, that I had is, why would you make Tarasenko a priority over Pinto? Like, I get it that... Uh, you know, Tarasenko's uh, you know, still a dangerous guy that can put the puck in the net. But as far as your future and the player that you need to grow with the other players, it's not Tarasenko, mm-hmm. it's Pinto. But to Justin's point, like, when when did you know exactly that you were going to lose Pinto for maybe 41 games? And is that the reason why you signed Tarasenko uh, earlier? Is because you knew Pinto wasn't going to be around? Um you know, those are those are legitimate questions. I think that uh, you know we can look back today and and ask. And another reason why you'd want some clarity, right? Because this stuff does matter. Uh, in case you missed the earlier announcement, the NHL suspended Shane Pinto for 41 games for violating the league's sports wagering rules. We don't really know much else about that, but they've stated that they found no evidence that Pinto made any wagers on NHL games, which is an important context because 
we have seen previously, I think it was like 1940 when that did happen. There was some uh, bans lifetime for legalization. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pretty so sure. things have changed a little bit. But I wonder, Kipper, if you worry a little bit about where gambling has such a prominent role in hockey already like it's on helmets we talk about it on our show we have sponsor segments it's pretty hard yeah. to get away from sports gambling it's pretty hard to to distance yourself from that right now and the way it is connected to hockey do you worry about that being something we see more often well how can you not worry about it and you know i think right from the get-go once the uh the province or or the country or the nhl uh decided to to venture into legalized pro gambling then how is that not on the the, the topic of uh, conversations amongst uh, you know whether it's political or amongst uh, the leagues um so i think you know we shouldn't be too surprised how long has it been now that we've we've been inundated with legalized gambling mm-hmm. like three years and now. it's happened in other sports right and it's happened in other sports i was still taken back by the news today mm-hmm. um and yet you know i asked justin Bourne and sammy mckee on our show like should we be that surprised or is it just inevitable that you have 750 or 800 players throughout the league over the course of the season one of them's um you know gonna make a a, a bad decision and you know everything points to the direction that you're okay to, you have every right to to bet on sports like anyone else legally and mm-hmm. through the right channels, mm-hmm. um, but you can't do it while you're at work. And you know, up until this point, that's what we believe happened is that Shane Pinto uh, on the on the team facilities uh, was gambling, and that's a no no. So obviously education is a massive, massive part of this, like in any walk of life, in any industry, whatever, you know, how it's connected to sports betting. There are some like different rules that others have to live by. And clearly with athletes, it's a little bit more stringent. Uh, But what with your understanding of like how the NHL uh, puts up its protocols, do you think they can stand by them? Like has enough education been out there to prevent this from happening? Is there any reason why or reason to believe there should be more or it failed in that yeah. regard? Should the NHL take any blame for this or can they not really control the actions of the thousands of players that are involved in the NHL? I, th- I think they can't control it, but that doesn't mean that you're doing enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, one is one too many and you got to treat it that way. Uh, there's just no way to control it uh, with so many individuals. Uh, These kids are still young. They're still learning. We've thrown a lot of money at them. There's a lot of time between practices or games sometimes. And like there's, there's a lot of pitfalls uh, that they can, they can uh, find themselves in. So I I think it's a constant, uh, the education, uh, the message sending, you know, bet with your head, you know, not over it. And uh, they got to push harder. All all today told me is that we got to send a a stronger message to the guys that, uh, um, you know, this is is our new world and you're going to have to manage it and, and be smart about it. All right, I'm sure we'll get some sort of news trickling out, but it seems like the NHL doesn't want to make any more official statements. So if we do hear anything, I'm sure Kipper will be all over it for us. Um, Let's shift to some of the games tonight. There's a couple on the network. Uh, We'll go to the later one first, New York Rangers and the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, This is a big one. Of course, the Oilers are struggling 
mightily um, early on. They've got a big weekend ahead with the Heritage Classic. We're going to talk to Mark Spector a little later in the show. But for you, when you look at this team that's got a kind of obviously with, uh, with Connor McDavid out, Let's shift the focus towards coaching. Do you think that Woodcroft has you know, a hot seat at all, or is this a wait and see, give us a 10 nah. to 15 game sample size? Well, I, I think for sure he's, it's a 10 or 15 mm-hmm. game. But in saying that, you know, whether or not you're, you're Jay Woodcroft or DJ Smith in Ottawa, mm-hmm. people want results now, and more so in Edmonton because of Connor McDavid and uh, the fact that he's been there, what, 10 years now? <laughs> And uh, still hasn't seen a Stanley Cup final. And so many experts under this roof, I think, picked the Edmonton Oilers yes, to go <laughs> to, a, to a Stanley Cup final. So there's a tremendous amount of pressure on, on Jay Woodcroft. But again, he, he's still fairly young in the, uh, in the head coaching industry of the National Hockey League. And he's learning and he's going to have to take, his, take uh, a few bumps and bruises along the way. But, um, you know, I think... There's a lot of character in, in Jay, and he's going to find a way to, to battle this through, and he's going to have to do it now with uh, without the likes of the best player in the world. They were actually okay uh, in Minnesota the other night, and then a third period that just <laughs> completely blew up. Uh, Rangers, kind of a big, mm. similar uh, team as Minnesota, but not as skilled as the New York Rangers, so... This will be a big challenge for them tonight to find a way to muster a point or two. Uh, with Woodcroft's name, you know, back in the headlines, if you want to call it the hot seed, and him changing defensive tactics, and you're not seeing what you expected to see from the Oilers, I mean, it kind of reminds me of the last time there was a coaching uh, controversy in Edmonton with Dave Tippett. It seemed like they almost protested with their play of or lack of play to almost get him out of the situation, get Woodcroft yeah. in. Is are you starting to feel anything about the core? Are you starting to feel anything about certain individuals and how it just doesn't seem to work with coaches, or there seems to be some sort of yeah. uh, uh, you know expiry date? I just feel like we're falling into a little bit of a pattern here, and it's not McDavid, and it's not Drysaddle, and it doesn't look like you could really blame an individual. But the 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 chasm between coach and core has happened before in Edmonton. I'm wondering why the Oilers might be on or McDavid might be on to a fifth coach pretty soon here. Uh, well, I don't, I don't believe that. Maybe it, not pretty soon. Yeah. I, but I, the conversation I don't see it, again. I, I don't see it pretty soon. It's, it's the easy uh, way a fan can go. I want changes. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard. We know where teams are pressed against the cap. You can't just go out there and, and get another defenseman or get a heavier fourth line guy uh, and, that's there's holes in this lineup, uh, but again, uh, fans want to scream that it's the coach's fault. I think we've watched enough to to understand that you know you're only as good sometimes as the save that you get, and there hasn't been the save, and it blew up mm-hmm. completely on Jack Campbell, who actually had a, a very solid what twenty five, thirty, forty minutes, and then if you if you can't finish it off, if you can't find ways to to make your fourth line a little tougher, a little bigger, so the likes of Evander Kane can't doesn't have to come in and rescue, you know, Ryan from a couple of hits. Mm-hmm. The defense, like, how, you don't think Jay Woodcroft's giving, you know, Evan Bouchard instructions on when to pinch or when not to gamble or when to make the safe play? There, there's there's holes in this lineup, and that's where I think people got to understand. 
before they po- point a finger at, I think, at Jay Woodcroft. That, Any, that's for me with, anyways. With Kane's comments when he was like, you know, I didn't play much the first period, so I thought I might as well fight and sit in the box for I, seven, I, eight I minutes. I thought about, I, that's my thought process my whole career. Yeah. <laughs> similarities very similar but I, he's cheeky I but i mean it's I kind of a I good would point share them with scott oak <laughs> yeah, on hockey yeah. night in canada but yeah, it was funny it's that's the least of jay woodcroft's mm-hmm. worries is evander kane saying hey remember me i want to play and if i don't play i'm going to go do something else right the guys that you got to worry about are the guys that don't play and feel like they're they're not they're not willing to do anything else or not mm-hmm. not willing to acknowledge that if their ice time's uh, short shortening up, mm-hmm. then, gosh darn, I'm going to go do something else that gets me noticed. At least Evander Kane had that going for him the other night. Well, they've got a, maybe an easier opponent uh, around the road with the Calgary Flames this upcoming weekend. But the Heritage Classic, have you played any outdoor games? you like these games? Would you no, want to be a Heritage got, Classic ne- guy? Uh, as an alumni, yeah. I got oh, those are fun. A, a few times. <laughs> I did cover the original nice. Montreal Canadian Edmonton Oiler mm-hmm. outdoor game. Mm-hmm. At Commonwealth Stadium, cool. and uh, it was just mind-boggling how cold it was. Yeah, that's a cold and place. to watch. <laughs> I thought the game was going to get canceled. Yeah. That's that's how rough the ice was. It was like flaking like a fish. It was just like chunks. <laughs> it was like, you know, some of those guys skating around. It was like the Titanic hitting an <laughs> iceberg and chunks going everywhere. I'm like... Are they going to keep playing this thing? <laughs> wow. But I, I don't think that's the case this Sunday, so I, I think they're going to be fine that way. When was that? Was that December I was or November? I think it was late November. Gosh. But now we're doing it late October. I think that's on purpose. I don't even know what I had for breakfast today. <laughs> You're asking me that one. Uh, but it was... 2003 think, Heritage 2003? Classic? 2003. Mm-hmm. It was November 22nd. There you go. Do you remember November. the score? Uh, 4-3. Yeah, Kipper. Get breakfast. Yeah, you're good. Minus 30, maybe without windshield factor. Maybe without the windshield That's factor. Crazy. Maybe it was minus 50 with the windshield factor. Brutal, brutal. I do see with the windshield. Uh, minus 30 degrees okay. with the windshield. You know what? When you're there, you add 20. I never up. felt You add like another 20 because you're, you're living it up. Flaking like a fish. Okay, so <laughs> there's one more game or one more uh, important game on Sportsnet tonight. Uh, Anaheim at Boston. The Bruins are off to a tremendous start. I think they've only conceded seven goals in six games. Undefeated. Uh, they've been yeah. unbelievable. So what did we overlook then? Because I think everyone was calling for like at least a little bit of a drop No, I said off. they yeah. weren't going to make the playoffs. There you go. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Uh, did, did we like <laughs> underestimate what Jim Montgomery could do, reigning coach of the year, the goaltending, just something we didn't give enough credit to, or maybe it's yeah. a blue line, or maybe it's just no, like, hey, I, I, they still got Brad Machard and David Patrick. They've given up, what, seven goals? Mm. Uh, seven and six, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So obviously it's from the net on out. Yeah. So the goaltending was spectacular during the regular season last year. Mm-hmm. It hasn't, you know, wavered. So you got that going for you. You also got uh, Lindholm, who was traded from Anaheim a few years ago, who is a, an amazing defenseman. Revenge night. Mm-hmm. McAvoy, right? So these are these are really good hockey players. And, yeah, there might still be a, a hole with Bergeron um, and Krejci not there. And they're getting uh, lots of mileage out of their second rounder. Um, uh, uh, trust Patras, yes. Uh, who's skating like Bergeron looked maybe <laughs> a few years ago, and I don't know. We don't know how long that's going to last, but 
it just seems like uh, they're a team that believes right now, and there's there's enough depth there that'll, you know, keep them in the race. All right, Leafs with a strong test tonight. Maybe their strongest so far of the season. Dallas Stars and Joe Wall in net, and I think that we were all in agreement that that's the right move. And you're riding the hot hand. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I wrote about that today. Yes. <laughs> I called it a, a controversy, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, those comments, like." It's a dilemma. Yeah. It's not a controversy. <laughs> it hasn't escalated to that point yet. <laughs> not yet, but this is, uh, uh, it's got to be concerning for the Toronto Maple Leafs that uh, ever since Samsonov got hurt in game three in the second round of Florida, he has not found his game at all in training camp to start the season. And now the the crack in the door has left uh, Wall to come in and continue to impress. So does, does Samsonov spend this week you know, with uh, a coaching staff and uh, working on a few things to get himself back into uh, uh, a situation where he can get his net back or at least have somewhat of a a situation where they alternate mm-hmm. some nights. Uh, but I, I think I think the thought process that this guy was going to, Samsonov was going to play like 55, 60 games, uh, you know, I, I don't see that with uh, Joseph Wall. Mm-hmm. Why not? Because he looked unbelievably good against the Florida Panthers. He looked like a- as calm, as cool as you could ever ask for. He looked like he was in complete control. Is it just a taxation thing? Is it just the the repetitive nature of doing it over and over again for months? Yeah, nice. Or is it just, hey, you can have that sort of performance every now and, that, now and then, but you have to prove it over long stretches of time? Oh, well, that, that, that's a given for sure. And, yeah. you know, the kid's still on adrenaline. And, uh, you know, I think he's just... Like any shooter, he's riding a hot hand right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this thing's gonna, this thing's seventy what nine games to go. I mean, you know, oh, still two weeks into the season. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of peaks and valleys here. And as as, as sound as he looks, as mature as he looks, uh, would he be the first goalie sent down after two and a half, three weeks after looking like? George Vesna, no, it's happened before. So we're just going to have to watch this thing play out. But huge test, not just for Wall tonight against a very good Dallas Stars team, but the whole uh, Toronto Maple Leafs in general and Wall the other night. They could have been down 2 nothing or 3-1 against Washington, uh, but Wall was that good. So may need a performance like that against Dallas tonight. Well, let's go, Kipper. Uh, we've taken a lot of your time. We appreciate it after a two-hour show. Of course, and catch Kipper on Real Kipper and Born 4 to 6 p.m. daily right before us. Uh, we will say goodbye. Take a look at what else is on the network tonight. Uh, busy night in sports. We've got the ooh, the return of Lindholm <laughs> to his uh, to play the Bruins from and the Ducks. That's at 7 p.m. on Cross Sportsnet. Got some big basketball games on as well to tee up the return of Nurse versus Griffin. <laughs> Former colleagues collide. We're going to chat a little bit about that um, around 6.30 because this is a big game tonight with uh, the Sixers and the Bucks with some pending questions about what's going to happen with Harden, who's currently out, but the NBA is requesting and reasoning why a star player who is healthy isn't playing in tonight's game. So some things maybe to come from that, but Nurse obviously getting a big test early on. Griffin, former Raptors connection as well with uh, those two going head-to-head. And we teed it up, the Oilers and the Rangers is a big one as well. Uh, Lakers, Suns later on. Lots on the network tonight. Uh, But the biggest coaching discussion we had with Woodcroft, we're going to have with Nurse, we're going to have with Griffin, and we're going to have with Darko a little later in the show. Yeah, big coaching carousel on a (laughs) Thursday. Uh, You should go back to that with the Oilers and Rangers tonight. 
I just, I really, really remember distinctly how awful it was for Edmonton a couple years ago mm-hmm. when they decided they, at least it felt like, and tacitly or spoken, it just felt like they didn't want to play for Dave Tippett anymore. And immediately the returns, once there was a change, and the way the vibe switched and, and the the messaging uh, improved, mm-hmm. it seemed like that's what they were waiting for. And when you fall into these early spells and nothing looks right and everyone's unhappy and there are changes like eventually if it continues the only the only place you can point is towards the head coach and if that continues to happen like i just don't it doesn't look all that great on a core that should be and everyone in this building as kepper put it was mm-hmm. calling to win the stanley cup i even mean even you it, yeah it's that team is way too talented to be playing in the way that they did and yes goaltending can submerge you all the time but it feels like there is fraction between the core and the coach. And we got Spectre on later. We'll ask about that. But this is a troubling pattern if you're an Oilers fan and I guess just a fan of the NHL. Yeah, and for your all-star, superstar, generational talent and Connor McDavid to have another coach, like there is a period of growing pains, you know, with a coach. How many more periods of growing pains can you afford to have with Connor McDavid, right? Like Jay Woodcroft came in, there's, there's an excitement to a new coach. There's a new, okay, there's a new energy to it. But if you start losing that again, and you bring it like who's available? What's what's the fix for the Edmonton Oilers? What coach is out there that's going to make that significant of a difference? I just wonder about its internal. Is it poor leadership? Is it not people rowing in the same direction? Right? Because if you've gone through four coaches and that hasn't fixed anything, do you start to look inwards at yourself? We'll talk to Mark Spector about that later in the show uh, because it is really interesting. Obviously, this is a big weekend. Uh, the Heritage Classic is always a thrill. This is a big one, the Battle of, of Alberta. Both teams are in a rough spot. So it's kind of going to be a gritty game, I'm hoping. I'm hoping to see the feistiness we've seen in yeah. those Battle of Albertas in the past. <laughs> I, I will say uh, the Calgary Flames have been the tonic for the Oilers in, mm-hmm. in previous right. history here. It's a get right sometimes for the Oilers. They beat up on the Flames and they're like, oh, yeah, we're the mighty Oilers again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that maybe it's a fix. But again, they might be doing it without Connor McDavid. And all this attention coming at a time when things are a little toxic and a little nasty and not right, like, I don't know if that's the best thing. So maybe the confluence of media and attention and the flames, maybe that all works good. Or maybe it's just like throwing another log on a fire that they can't extinguish at the moment. I guess we'll find out this weekend. Okay, so we chatted with Kipper about tonight's Leaf game. Uh, My pick for... Our next segment comes from just that game. So time now for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. We are riding the hot hand yesterday, two for two again. I think we've basically hit every bet in the last week. Uh, I don't think you can lump me into that, but I think maybe well, you're, the maybe you're speaking for yourself there. But yeah, it was pretty good yesterday. We hit an alt on Scotty Barnes, total mm-hmm. production, if you want to call it that. Plus the, the Raptors were... A little bit worse than even money, so two good picks. Yeah. We'll try to continue it. Okay, so I'm going to go with the Leafs game, and I'm going to go Leafs to score three or more goals. Uh, that's plus money at Bet Rivers. It's Scott Wedgwood in that. Mm. Brampton guy, though. Okay. I know you're from Brampton. <laughs> Sorry to Brampton, but Scott well, Wedgwood you know, is not an elite NHL netminder. No. They do have one. They decided okay. not to play him tonight. Joseph Wall is in net. I'm not going to go with the full over because I believe Joseph Wall Remember last game, we bet the under on goals against Joseph Wall, and it was great. So I'm going to go with the Leafs to score three or more goals. They've got some great offensive talent. We know that, and I think they can put three or more goals behind Scott Wedgwood. Uh, an alarm goes off in my home when the Oilers are playing in a game that's under six and a half total. Oof. Tonight, it's six, and even six between the Oilers 
and the Rangers. The Oilers can score. We know that even without Connor McDavid. And we also know that they are a disaster defensively at the moment. So that <laughs> probably leads me to believe that, you know, a couple goals are going to be scored on their goaltending, which has been maybe the sorest spot. And uh, they're going to find a way to score as well if they give an honest effort. So I think they clear that pretty easily over six. Maybe we push. Maybe we don't. Minus 121. Maybe it'll be a great get right for them before they have the big get right weekend um, against the Calgary Flames. We'll take a break. That was Between the Lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. We're going to chat some pregame hoops for tonight's big matchups in the NBA. Uh, talk a little bit about Darko's debut as a official Raptors head coach in regular season. Raptors undefeated. Looking red hot. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about how that went. Wemby's debut. We have some crazy stats on Wemby. And then we're going to chat with Mark Spector to go through a little bit more of the Edmonton Oilers situation before we wrap off and send you into the evening. That's all next on the Fan Pregame with Ailish and Justin. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on the fan pregame with Ailish and Justin, Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590 the fan for the next half hour. We're going to have Mark Spector on in about 15 minutes to help tee up tonight's game uh, between the Edmonton Oilers and the New York Rangers. That's at 9 p.m. on Sportsnet 1. You can catch that then. Uh, in about half an hour, you've got Anaheim in Boston on Sportsnet, which will be another good one as the Boston Bruins are just undefeated and apparently never missed a beat. So love that for my prediction that they wouldn't make the playoffs. There's They've a l- had a soft schedule. I think we should acknowledge good. that. Good. Thank soft you. Schedule. I needed that. I needed that. It's not like it really gets more difficult tonight with Ugh. Anaheim, although Anaheim's been really stingy five on five. So maybe okay. maybe there's hope yet that Boston will finally I'd be happy show that, that it's not the exact same team that it's been. We're one sleep away for the start of the World Series. Tomorrow we'll do a very in-depth preview of the two improbable teams that have made it to the World Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got series odds. we got MVPs to look at. But we'll save that for tomorrow. Uh, tonight, we do have a big game in NBA action. Uh, Philadelphia and Milwaukee, that's at 7.30. That'll be on after us on Sportsnet 360. That's the big one because the battle of uh, two Raptors-related coaches going head-to-head. Nick Nurse and his new era with his guitar is already <laughs> playing the wrong notes, maybe. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think we really criticize him, but like... No, that was my pun on like things are going back yeah, poorly music-wise. I mean, I mean, you didn't have to explain the joke. It's off pitch. Off pitch, okay. Uh, Sitch. <laughs> his situation is is tricky, though. It's it's not it's not the best, I, I wouldn't say. Obviously, this James Harden thing is just an absolute mess. You can't even keep track of exactly what's going on, but clearly we know that he doesn't get along with the organization. The organization probably doesn't want him around it's messy and it's going to stay messy. I'm not sure why we ever think there's going to be any sort of resolution between James Harden and Philly that involves James Harden actually helping Nick Nurse win basketball games. And then Joel Embiid's name has been out there in terms of trade chatter since the start of the season (laughs) to the surprise of me. I'm not really sure why they go down that route, but let's say things get so bad that the Harden thing, the, the bridges are burned on that. And Joel Embiid gets to the point where we're, realistically talking trade what's left there for Nick Nurse and he ironically was in the running for the Milwaukee Bucks Mm -hmm. job 
which his assistant Adrian Griffin got with the Raptors. And now Adrian Griffin is stepping into a situation where he's got one of the top three to five best players guaranteed in the NBA. And they just supplemented him with Damian Lillard. <laughs> no it's pressure, like, guy. It's like, I, both leaving the Raptors probably made sense. I guess Adrian Griffin could have stuck around if they really wanted to. But mm-hmm. Darko made wholesale changes to the Raptors. But in terms of the hand they've been dealt since they left, Adrian Griffin now, rookie head coach, got to win a championship. Nick Nurse, just hold the pieces together. Can you get anything out of the 76ers team that seems like it's in shambles right now? It's amazing how these two paths have taken these coaches in way, way different destinations. Okay, so you ask, you know, you can't keep tabs on the Harden situation. Let me give you the latest. So. Okay. Supposed to be playing tonight. Of course, we know that they had their little rift where he went on his own pathway for a while. Came back to want to practice with the team. Was told, don't ba- travel with us. Banging on the plane door, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yesterday. Yeah. Let me in. They said no. So, Philly's tonight, obviously playing. Uh, Philly is playing tonight in a national TV game. So, that means that the Sixers have to provide the league with a valid explanation to why a healthy recent All-Star isn't playing. Harden returned to the Sixers on Wednesday after being away for 10 days on what they described as a personal matter. But right now, there is no reason for him to not play. And with the new rules about the player participation policy, you have to have a valid reason to why there's like, this is for the whole load management situation, Mm -hmm. right? They don't have one currently. So they're either going to make one up or he's going to fly in or they're going to get fined. Like it is, and we are... um, 30 minutes away from really having to find this out. So kind of an ongoing situation. I don't really know how they will resolve this in time. Is beef with your GM a designation? (laughs) Can they put beef in brackets? And and that's why he's he's not available. (laughs) The other beef... Uh, is that why he's not available for Nick Nurse? It's just... just... So would you rather be Nick Nurse or Adrian Griffin? Adrian Griffin? Are you kidding me? I'm just saying, like, the pressure... You're on the hot seat from the moment you start coaching because you better win a damn championship. You better be good. You better be a good coach, Adrian Griffin. But there's way less drama there between... Like, you're in... You're almost in the excitement of, we got someone new. Our all-star wants to stay... We're exciting. The Bucks are exciting, whereas mm. the Sixers are a tire fire. Like, it is, I don't even know. The grass isn't always greener, Nick Nurse. Like, you might get more money. You might live in Philly, but I don't, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. And it's Philly. It's not like you even get the excuse. Like, they're going to be all over Nick Nurse if it doesn't work out well. If they, he's the guy that's in the spot they when they lose Joel fans. Embiid. Like, it's going to be a complete disaster. Like, I do not envy Nick Nurse. In this moment, maybe I do a little bit with Adrian Griffin. But even back to Harden, like, he's not even worth the trouble anymore, right? Yeah, I've like lost all is, time and yes, energy he, for yes, this. Yes, he could still score the basketball. Yes, he could still be an impact player in the NBA. If the situation was perfect, I'm sure there are a few teams that would welcome that headache because there might be some benefit to having him. But it's not the James Harden of old. No. It's not the guy who was, you know, flirting, I guess, with, you know, in the top tier and playing for a really dominant team that never really got over the hump. He's just not that guy anymore, and he's just a problem now. And I guess he's just a problem specifically for Nick Nurse. Uh, and and that's a different situation than we have in, here in Toronto where suddenly mm. there are good feelings surrounding the head coach. The only coach out of those three that I want to be it's Darko. What is, what's, Adrian Griffin's in a good spot. Why do you keep saying I, because that? Because I love you don't Darko. Like pressure? No, you don't like pressure? I just like, I saw Darko last night and the debut of the Raptors' new head coach, and he is just full of joy. 
he seems like a wonderful guy, and the team loves him, and the, the fan base loves him, and I'm excited to see what he does with Toronto Raptors. Yeah, maybe being Adrian Griffin would be fun too, but I'm on Team Darko over here. I'm on Team Darko too, and, and yesterday our conversation, I said I want to be shown, not told. And yes, you are very particular about don't walk, don't talk the talk, walk yes. the walk, well, folks. I mean, how how often have you heard promises like, yeah, th- things are no, so all much the better. Time, I know. We, we hear that all the time, and I'm like, okay, vibes are great. Like, is that going to be is that going to be the case after the first game or after the first time you get punched mm-hmm. in the mouth as an organization and you don't think you are or you're not who you thought you might have been? And yesterday wasn't like a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination for the Toronto Raptors. Lots of room for improvement, but what we did see with certainty, beyond any reasonable doubt, is that there's a little bit of care back inside the locker room, Mm -hmm. that people actually enjoy each other around the Toronto Raptors. And Darko Ryakovich stepping into the middle of the celebration (laughs) and the team celebrating at a level that I haven't seen in a long... Like, I don't even know if we're talking about... Uh, the championship level okay, celebration. Okay, Justin, they celebrated harder for their they, world they, championship banner. Yeah, but it was like than oh, they did for Ka- Darko's win. It was win. like Kawhi and Kawhi's too cool. But nah, they, that, no. that was a level of euphoria that is generally unmatched. Okay, I'll give you well, the championship. What's different is when's was, the last time you saw that team act like that? Never. Well, you just said the other, championship. Can you just other go than with the, the championship? championship? Exactly. They, I haven't seen them that happy, and and the happiness for the championship is oh my god, we just won a championship. But and what it's we saw alcohol fueled. <laughs> true. And what and cigars. Uh, water. And what we saw last night though was almost like in the moment joy and exuberation for a guy that really has earned the love of his team so early and maybe so surprised. Like they, they were just so happy for him. We have the audio. I know mm-hmm. just close your eyes and visualize it if you haven't seen it yet on online. But Darko comes into the middle of the locker room and he's just showered with bottles of water and he gets in this stance and he's just got this energy about him and he's like this big roar that he's so happy anyway let's play the clip and just visualize it happening winning is fun okay and it's not easy and you guys gave it all out there okay and i'll tell you this none of you guys played the best game of the season tonight okay we have so much more room for improvement and that's our goal Night in, night out. Continue getting better. Yes, sir. What you guys did, we stay together. And you got, 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 got a win for the team. Hello, job, guys. Bring it in. Go, go, what you got, baby? What you got? What you got? Family on three. One, two, three. I wish Darko was my coach when I was at college because we would have won a national championship. <laughs> I'm telling that's you. That's some shade against your college coaches right no, there. No, no, just different. Everyone has different leadership styles and everybody has different coaching styles. And we're going to see this in every sport and every team. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I just something about that guy. I want to run through a brick wall. This yeah. one right behind me. Yeah. The authenticity. I think you probably could. It's, I don't know if that's, is that real brick? Anyway, maybe you can it's try it after the show. Faux brick. <laughs> faux brick. Faux brick easier to run through. Uh, the authenticity of the celebration was, it really did stick, stick out to me. And like the way they're hanging on his word, the way that mm-hmm. they answer him with as much volume as they did. I mean, that really stood out. And I don't know what that's going to mean. Is that like worth a couple wins at the end? I'm not really sure. And again, statistical analysis would just, you know, throw me into this brick wall right now because that's such a stupid take. But I do believe in togetherness. I do Mm -hmm. believe that they had zero togetherness last year, that that was one of their main issues. And if that's something they can fix up, then maybe it is worth something actually meaningful 
and it will translate. It might be a work in progress, but if you can keep that sort of attitude and build together the family that they that they cheered on three, like that stuff matters, I think. And I think it was a dream start in that sense for the new coach and Raptors fans that were unsure of what they were going to see coming into this new era of basketball. I will say, as excited, and obviously it's one game, everybody, we're just we're, we're fired up, okay? They didn't lose any preseason games. They, lost, they, they won their first home opener game. So the energy and the vibes have only been good around this team. They haven't had to deal with any sticky contract things that have lingered on too much. Pascal's here. He seems like he's ready to rumble. OG's here. He seems like he's ready to rumble. Scotty Barnes seems fired up. They got a new face in Dennis Schroeder, who was amazing last night. Like, he looks like a massive upgrade. Everything has been great. It's live, laugh, love. It's together, unity. It's like when you go into home sense and all the pillows say nice things. That's what's going on with the Raptors right now. But I want to see that work when they have a big head-to-head coming up. They've got the Bulls, and then they've got the Sixers on back-to-back nights. When he has to make difficult decisions, even with Chris, Chris Boucher last night, it's like, why isn't Chris Boucher playing? He had a really great explanation, said he talked to the guys, said they're on the same page. Okay, well, that's great. But there's going to be times in the next week, the next two weeks, where things aren't as fun and aren't as joyous with the water bottle celebrations in the locker room. That's where you see what Darko does besides bring this team together. He's got to hold it together, like what Nick Nurse is going to have to do when things don't get great. Because everyone's great and happy when you're winning. But the first time you have adversity, that's who we're really going to see what Darko is made of, what the players think of their coach. Because Mm. if that's what we're seeing in Edmonton, when things aren't going the right way and you start to see maybe what the players think about their coach or the coaching strategies or the respect level, that's call me then. Call me when the Raptors go on a three-game losing streak and Pascal isn't getting the ball as much as he wants and Scotty isn't hitting shots and we're starting to think, oh, this team looks the same as last year. So I'll enjoy the highs while I can. Live, laugh, love for now. Okay, that's fair. We'll, ch- we'll yeah, chat I mean, when it's th- there's gonna not be, the same. There's going to be adversity, uh, mm-hmm. but maybe the, the bonds and the attitude and the structure that's been put in place could be different. Uh, allow you to withstand that adversity in, in a more proper way. And, and I do think you're right about, you know, the contracts and when do you start thinking about that? Well, I was looking at Pascal's stat line and, and, you know, obviously tracking that game and thinking, okay, this, this is a poor shooting night and that explains it, but wow, the numbers aren't there. And what if the numbers aren't there at all? What, if, what if that's a new part of the Darko thing where it's, yeah, we run 10 deep and Pascal, that means mm-hmm. you're taking fewer shots and you're going to have less impact in the all NBA dream that puts you in this mm-hmm. financial category and allows you to file your taxes in this sort of manner. That's not available to you because you're not going to be able to get there within the system. And maybe that's when things change just a little bit. But if people are buying in and several others aren't, well, maybe that informs your decision-making moving forward on who you want to continue building around. So this is all a work in progress. You're right. Uh, But the first step was having Darko put these guys under his spell. And he looks like a charismatic guy that everyone's holding on to every word. And he seems to have them responding to what he's willing and eager to implement with this group. And I think that's step one and step two, three, four, five, six, maybe a little bit more tough, uh, but at least they completed one of them and we'll see where it takes them. We're all drinking the Darko roast. It's in my veins. Back to back, eh? I'm, I'm feeling buzzing on the Darko roast. three straight tomorrow? I will definitely find a way to fit it in three <laughs> nights in a row. Okay, but you had a comparison before we talked to um, Mark Spector. 
It's a bit of a stretch, maybe. But I, oh, we're whoa, talking. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. You, you uh, have written it, it down. It. You got to say it. Uh, well, I mean, the doc isn't binding. But I will post it online. Well, this is okay. So Darko has this authentic moment where everyone's fired up and it feels real, right? Yes. And then I. It was real yesterday, and this is like kind of. It's I, maybe this isn't fair at all. But what's real and what's put on? Look at Ryan Reeves, and Ryan Reeves is now the fantasy football commissioner with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I'm thinking, okay. That's part of the job. That's part of the the job description with the $1.35 million salary that we all agree is too much. Mm-hmm. Like, it, lo- it feels that when you're that guy and you're brought on for things other than on ice and you make a point, well, I got to do the music and I got to do the fantasy football and I got to organize the dinners. I got to organize Halloween. That feels a little bit put, more put on, less authentic. And what you really, really like and gravitate towards are the things that are authentic. And that's why that moment meant more because... They didn't plan to have a nice little celebration. Ryan Reeves came in and said, hey, I'm going to fix all this stuff because that's what the media is telling me that has to be done. It has to be a a louder room with more, uh, you know, more of a frat style fun house. And that's what I'm going to do. And it all feels a little bit put on. But the moments that truly matter are the ones like that one in my eyes where Darko comes in and everyone responds without anything being pre-planned. I think there are things that are pre-planned and they are less effective than things like that where it's very, very clear that there's something real and organic happening in the moment. Uh, let's pivot. Ooh. From Ryan Reeves and the Toronto Raptors to the Edmonton Oilers and bring in Mark Spector uh, from the Sportsnet Edmonton Bureau. Uh, good afternoon, Marks. Thanks for jumping hey. on with us. How are you guys doing out there? Oh, it is afternoon over there. I was like, Justin, it's night here. It's afternoon here. Not really. 645 is night. Baby, we're just ironing a shirt, getting ready to go down to the rink for there a game. You, there you go. It's, <laughs> and it's and it's a big one. Uh, and it's a, an opportunity for the Oilers uh, to stop whatever's happening from continuing to happen. It's unraveling a little bit in Edmonton, as we understand here in Toronto. So if that is indeed the case, if you see it the same way, what what's the catalyst to all this? Well, they're not, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, how would I say, this has been a pretty good team the last few years, but it's never been a team everybody or a lot of people pick to win the Stanley Cup. This, mm. They've never come out of the gates with this kind of predictions, and, and uh, there's a lot of expectation, a lot of pressure here, and uh, you know what happens when there's that level of expectation, when a few little things start going wrong, sometimes it steamrolls, and that's what's gone on here through Six games are one, four, and one, and they haven't played very much good hockey out here. How much of that uh, is top down from coach to players, or is it players just not clicking on the same page? Because we just spent a little bit of time talking about coaches on the hot seat. And I don't know if Woodcroft is on the hot seat yet, but it's maybe putting the bum warmer on in the car. Yeah, yeah. I would say that he's feeling the heat just as much as his players are. Mm-hmm. You know, he's that coach out here has a very good roster. It's not playing like one right now, but it's the coach's job to get this team going, and it's the player's job, uh, you know, to make the coach look like they're he's got a plan and they're playing to it. So I think everyone's uh, everybody's feeling the heat out here right now. There's no doubt. So what's the interplay between those two things, coach and, and group? Uh, obviously an underperforming group, but a coach, I assume, is underperforming in some ways himself or at least trying to implement change that may not be suited for the team. Like how, in terms of two things that aren't working, how are they making it more difficult on each other? 
Well, they made a big deal out here about the order sort of changing their defensive system in their own zone and going to more of a zone system than a man-on-man system. And at the same time, uh, the players have have really forgotten how to check, you know. So there's a lot of talk out here about, oh, boy, maybe this system doesn't suit the team and maybe they should abandon it and go back to the way they used to play. But when you watch the games, you see a lot of goals being scored by opponents who – are standing right next to an Oilers player, which tells me the system has the guy in the right place, but he's not checking the opponent. You know, the player standing in front of the Oilers net, tipping home pucks uh, with an Oilers standing right next to him. That, to me, isn't the system. That's a player who's, uh, you know, as as uh, Jay Woodcroft put it the other day, he's at his desk, but he's not getting any work done. So... You know, I don't think it's a system thing. I don't buy that. The goaltending hasn't been very good out here. And the defensive play, forwards and defensemen alike, uh, has been derelict. They're not playing hard enough. They're not working hard enough. They're not playing physical enough. It is a soft, soft defensive team. And those elements don't win hockey games. Uh, Obviously, the next whatever the absence ends up being for Connor McDavid. It's about survival to a certain extent uh, for the Oilers. So priority one, uh, you know, it's build a shelter, I guess, if you're out in the wild. What's the build a shelter uh, for the uh, Edmonton Oilers if they're trying to survive this McDavid absence? Well, they've got to keep pucks out of their net. Like the first game, he's only missed one game. They went out on the road and scored four times in Minnesota, a building where Edmonton traditionally never wins. So four goals on the road is enough to win. So missing McDavid is always about, oh, our power play is not going to be good enough. And, oh, boy, you know, who's going to score the goals? Well, they scored four goals, but they lost 7-4. So the build the shelter here is don't, don't play hockey where you got to score eight to win. That would be the shelter they're trying to build here. How about this weekend, the Heritage Classic, Calgary, a team that maybe they can get right. Uh, they're not also having their best start to their season even without McDavid, could this line up to be maybe the perfect reset for the Edmonton Oilers? Well, sure. You know, they're looking for that. They're looking for it tonight. You know, they've got the Rangers in tonight, and they're, and they're, they're honoring a couple of old Oilers, uh, Charlie Huddy and Doug Waite. And there's a bunch of alumni in town, and it's a real feel-good morning skate. All the boys were out. And, you know, the Oilers, you know, they're – they're trying to hold up here in the dressing room and talk like a team that they know they're going to write this ship. So uh, I would say to you that the opportunity to, to start to build something begins right tonight against the Rangers and then go into the weekend. I'm going to tell you, between the Oilers' 1-4-1 and one start and McDavid being injured, the Heritage Classic has not received its due out here. It's not. They've been talking about a lot of other things in Edmonton other than that outdoor game. Uh, they would like that to, they'd like all those other things to go away. <laughs> the orders would and have people talking about how good they are. They're going to have to earn that. I'm afraid. So assuming the Oilers, you know, they're not bailing water out of the boat anymore. They get things steadied. Uh, McDavid comes back. He's playing at a heart trophy uh, level, which he always is. What's Kenny Holland going to try and do to make this team better before the playoffs start? Well, there's two things when the season started that we, sort of predicted and one of them is you know i mean he's cat he's like every all the gms of good teams he's got zero cap room here so there's not a lot of wiggle room what they would like this roster to do is get them to the to the trade deadline you know the 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 plan was to be competing for the pacific division lead uh which might be already out the window but 
if they can get to the deadline and have their head above water here, they would probably go after um, a defenseman on an expiring contract. They would trade a high draft pick or a prospect and try to bring in a, you know, a, a top four defenseman who would be a rental because they just don't have the contract or the cap space to get anyone full time. If they need a goalie at that point, that's trouble because that means their goaltending hasn't been good enough. And if their goaltending is good enough, they may not be a playoff team by the trade deadline. So they're hoping this roster can, can hold water to the trade deadline and have them in position to get something done. And then they could augment it with another defenseman. But so far that plan's not panning out real well. The McDavidless Oilers host the Rangers on Sportsnet one tonight at 9 PM. Uh, we'll be watching Mark. Enjoy the game. And uh, thanks for jumping on with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks, Mark. It's Mark Spector of Sportsnet. All right. Well, we uh, we're up against the clock, and we got to give away some tickets, not sure. to the Heritage Classic, but to Blink-182 next summer. Oof, that's a long ways away, but it'll be worth it. August 15th at the Rogers Center. Giving away tickets for this week, and to enter, all you have to do is text in the code word SUMMER to 59590 right now to enter for your chance to win. We'll be giving away one last pair of tickets tomorrow. But if you don't win with us, you can go to Ticketmaster.ca tomorrow at 10 a.m. to grab your tickets. That's Blink-182 at the Rogers Center on August 15th. The code word is summer. And I hope it feels like summer tomorrow morning when we hit the golf course at 8 a.m. <laughs> uh, I don't think We're it gonna will. We're going to be bundled. I don't think it will. Uh, big basketball night on Sportsnet 360 uh, with uh, the Sixers in Milwaukee and Phoenix and the Lakers as the night. Who's going to win that Sixers one? Are you, you want to lay a bet here? I'm Bucks. Your Bucks? Yeah, it's too much drama going on with Nick Nurse and the Sixers. I'm just, I'm, I'm interested to see what Nick Nurse Can't looks wait. like on another side. How many deep squats are we getting tonight? Is he in a deep tonight? squat? Is the face red? <laughs> like, what's Nick Nurse's vibe going to be? I am interested in that. And then, of course, LeBron James is the nightcap. It's always worth tuning in for. Oh, it's going to be a blast. And tomorrow is Friday, and the World Series begins. We have a full day to tee that up. We're excited for it uh, to get our pre-World Series picks in. A Blue Jay, former Blue Jay, will win the World Series. How about that? All right, that was the fan pregame. Ailish and Justin, everybody have a great night. We'll chat tomorrow.